Hello and welcome to Talking Events, the industry podcast brought to you by Event Industry News. Today being recorded from the HQ of Blackout uh, in South London. Blackout, suppliers of drapes and rigging to the international live events industry. Uh, a very big thank you to the team uh, at Blackout for allowing us to set up the Talking Events studio and record these latest episodes from their HQ. Um, today we're going to be talking about the live event rigger apprenticeship um, and the, the, the Trailblazer initiative that was instigated by the government. And giving us a little bit more, more insight on this subject is today's panel of uh, guests. So we welcome back to the studio, Eric Porter, uh, freelance event rigger and trainer within the industry. Eric, Hello. welcome. Thank you. Uh, Adelaide Johansson, HR manager for Blackout. Adelaide, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. And Paul Ridderford, NRC manager from Plaza, here to add a little bit of perspective and perhaps throw some of his own questions out there. Paul, welcome back to the, the, uh, to the podcast. Thank you. Um, the live event rigor apprenticeship, how did it come about, first of all, and what is it going to bring to the industry? Adelaide, who, or who wants to pick up this one and, uh, and roll with it? Uh, well, it's unfortunate that Paul Rowlands of the National Arenas Association, and particularly the NEC group, mm -hmm. um, is not able to join us today. Um, he, has, he was initially the driving force in putting a national event rigor apprenticeship into this uh, trailblazer umbrella mm -hmm. and uh, he's he's devoted a lot of time and effort and provided resources for our trial runs of it um, given that the NRC already exists and uh, he's a big supporter and historically always has been Which is the national national reading certificate, certificate. yep the, the trailblazer architecture uh, requires much more in terms of the development of an individual. It's working along the lines of somebody young with potentially zero experience or knowledge of the field that they're going into and turning them out at the end of uh, the period into somebody who could be left very much in charge of things. So this is uh, an apprentice an apprenticeship that would afford any person the opportunity to step into this area and into this arena and learn from the ground up would that be fair to say Adelaide? Absolutely um, the ideology is that it would be 18 year olds and above mm -hmm. um, and we've had interest from people who are into their 20s and 30s who are keen to get into the industry and that of rigging and therefore the uh, there is no holds barred really on on who who would be able to sure. join in. How how was how was it first instigated? Because we, we do we have heard an awful lot about the government wanting to promote apprenticeships and work based learning and promote industries actually developing their own apprenticeship schemes. So how did this particular one come about? We um, from the National Rigging Advisory Group, mm -hmm. um, Paul Rowlands basically said this is what I think would be a great thing to do a great initiative um, who's who's in it with us um, and we formed a working committee and we got at least 10 to 12 employers who were able to back it when the first standard went in so we all joined together joined forces wrote a standard that was then sent to um, the government um, so the Business in Innovation and Skills Department, mm -hmm. Biz, 
um, and that was um, passed back in May 2015. So that's the first stage, if you will. You first of yeah. all have to submit what sounds like an application to actually be accepted to, 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 to then develop your apprenticeship scheme. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And we need to, you need to have a, a, a number of, of um, employers who are willing to back it. Um, and so we, we got a lot of support throughout the industry, um, as well as sole employer, you know, sole companies as well. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at s s some information that we've we've been given from from C CC Skills, I think, or a link that I've been sent, and and the, the quote simply says at the moment there seems to be a sufficient number of riggers in the marketplace to service the needs of the entertainment industry. However, it follows that as one person leaves and as people leave the industry or, or retire from the industry, there has to be a clear pathway for people to then progress up and fill those spaces. It, it, was that something that was um, was looked upon uh, as I think something that was on people's minds when, when you thought, hold on, yes, there is a need to do this long-term, or is there a short-term benefit that this will bring as well? I think the long it's, a, it's very much a long-term Okay. observation um, the key was very much the demographics of the um, NRC level two and level three um, riggers that we've got at the moment yeah I think it's a probably an average of time from the information that we have from Plaza the average uh, level two rigger or competent uh, NRC level rigger um, is, is something along the lines of 34 36 okay um, which in itself is, is quite old now, but we, we are obviously aware with the information again from our records is that riggers, uh, the experienced riggers who were first around when, when the industry developed back in the day are getting to the point now where they're starting to, to, to leave the industry. Mm -hmm. And it is so important that, that as people leave at the back end that we're bringing people in at the front. Uh, I think it's important to, to state actually that before the, the, the trailblazer, a lot of rigging companies and employers were or already running their own in-house apprenticeships yeah and this was this was seen as a great opportunity to, to make this a, a national qualification uh, by by entering into the trailblazer scheme w w is that is that fair so is that something that blackout were doing presumably as a, as a the, the, the level that you're operating at Adelaide that there is a, a, a level of CPD and in-house training that goes on anyway um, absolutely um, everybody um, who, who, who joins to become a rigger would go through the various different um, courses and, and gain the, the certification within health and safety, um, working at height, mm -hmm. etc. Um, I think as employers together, we felt that using all the resources that we had, um, we could develop a, a, a thorough training program, um, which which would allow somebody to develop beyond the National Rigging Certificate Level 2. And, and more importantly, a programme that's a nationally recognised programme as yeah. well. Um, yeah. When it came to actually to, to, to funding this, um, would I be right in saying that, that, that the whole Trailblazer initiative that the government was promoting actually offered funding to help um, create these apprenticeships, which is, again, offering a good incentive to, to this industry in this example to actually go out there and do it. Is I'm that right? I'm or not or sure about the, there was money available for the creation. But the, the, the initiative, the Trailblazer initiative, uh, how it differs from standard uh, apprenticeships or old apprenticeships is that the government are very keen that these are employer-driven. So right. the, the emphasis is on the employer to say what they require for industry. Uh, so it was offered out that if employers could come to the table with an offer, it would be discussed. 
from my information, I don't know that there was funding available for the development, right. but certainly the government are making available funding for employers once the, the apprenticeship starts. So there is ah, I see, there, right. th there's this, this carrot that's being dangled so that there is money, that the pots of money available for employers to claim back. So basically the cost of the training of an apprentice throughout their period of, of training could be £9,000, for mm -hmm. example, um, and the government has pledged um, through the rigging one to give two-thirds of that money through a grant scheme okay. so that an employer is only having to pay for a third but all the training, the NRC assessment, the working at height, the health and safety, um, all those aspects are covered within the um, scheme. At, at it's, it's a two-third basis that the government will, will invest. And when we, when we talk about timescales, um, you know, apprenticeships of this nature have to happen, understandably, over a prolonged period of time. What is the timescale involved for somebody who would uh, start from day one? It's, it is how long is a piece of string, again, because um, certain individuals might develop at a speedier rate and um, it's not a one-size-fits-all because each employer has the right to choose how quickly and, and what elements um, that their um, apprentice will, will undertake. However, as a rule of thumb, we envisage um, an apprentice fresh from school or college, mm -hmm. starting um, and um, being able to be NRC qualified within two years, 30 months. And, and so you mentioned this, this is being driven by employers and being driven as a, as a work, workplace learning, would that be the right phrase to use? It's to a certain degree. Um, the programme, we, we it's very difficult, but as best practice and as the people that have developed the programme, our aim has been to um, allow any employer to choose to, to undertake it. Right. They have to therefore follow the endpoint assessment, um, which is um, observation beyond the NRC level two, um, and providing a portfolio of evidence mm -hmm. and attending a Viva type interview. Um, However, the programme that we believe would be best practice involves three weeks of residential training, um, which we have joined forces with um, Solihull College to develop. Um, and that covers all the generic behaviours, team building, communication, health and safety type training, um, so that one week a year an apprentice would, would be in, in, in that residential programme. Um, are we the first country to develop an apprenticeship or any formal government-recognised qualification covering this as a subject matter? From the amount of interest that we've received worldwide, I... I would say yes. I would say yes. <laughs> I would hazard a guess. It's a bit of an awkward question because it's, you know, without really, really delving in and mm. doing a lot of research worldwide, but... You know, again, w we've touched on it in previous episodes, not just in this related subject matter, but in other episodes of Talking Events as, as to how the UK really does pioneer a lot of stuff within its own event mm. industry. Mm. And, and I'm just curious to know whether or not, again, this is something that we can proudly sort of 
chalk on the board and say, yeah, we were the first to really look at doing that. Mm. I, we've received um, communications from um, riggers in the States saying, wow, really interested in the programme. People as far afield as Canada, New Zealand, Singapore, India, saying really interested in, in the apprenticeship programme. So, yes, uh, to answer your question, mm. I, I, I believe that we're groundbreaking to a certain degree. The, the, the fact that it's it's government recognised within the UK or, or within in within England, um, does that make it difficult to translate? And, and it presumably you can't offer it directly to international uh, clients, but does the hard work that's been put into by coll the collective group that's put the programme together allow that assessment criteria to then be translated overseas? Would any of it translate? I don't know, Eric, perhaps you've worked, o you, you must have worked overseas an awful lot. W yeah. Would any of it translate yeah. into I'd other territories? Yeah. Your, your first question, I think historically there, there were some initiatives in the United States, particularly around theater um, uh, apprenticeships mm -hmm. um, within wider event rigging, I'm not sure. Um, this, this is a, a UK government scheme so the the operation of the scheme um, may be restricted to the UK mm -hmm. it seems likely um, the architecture the the homework that's already been done um, is doubtless of, of value in fact you know I'm I'm a perfect example of somebody for whom the scheme is irrelevant because I'm a freelance individual. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not bringing on employees who would fit into an apprenticeship scheme. Yeah. But I, I was got on board because of previous work with the NRC yeah. and uh, my membership of the NRAG, National Rigging Advisory uh, Group. So um, I think it, it's as we were discussing in earlier mm. meetings, that um, the broadening of the NRAG has allowed this kind of thing to emerge, uh, and it will have a relevance particularly to television operations, okay. larger theatrical stuff, mm -hmm. which you know, which has, has overlapped with big event rigging. You know, the, 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 the world, it, it's evolved a great deal. Sure. And this is, is a much broader project than just the National Rigging Certificate. The National Rigging Certificate is a necessary requirement at a, uh, a, as Adelaide said, approximately two-thirds of the way through the process. Yeah. You need, there's no point in reinventing a new qualification for rigging if, if we've had this one in existence for a while. Yeah. So I, I, don't, I don't know of its future potential beyond the UK borders. Absolutely. And really what we need to do, first of all, this is this is a new entity. We need to, uh, presumably there hasn't been anybody yet qualified because of the, the timescale involved, potentially. Um, when do we expect to see the first people qualifying as a result of the apprenticeship? Is there any sort of timescale on that? Or? Uh, um, we're recruiting at the moment. So okay. there's um, a, a venture of um, develop. Uh, I'm recruiting, we're selecting. So so we've um, had a lot of applicants mm -hmm. um, and we hope to go live in October with our first residential. So that involves um, companies such as UK Rigging, Blackout, the NEC Group, and 
further people who might sure, yeah. listen to this podcast and say, yes, we're well, up well, for it. <laughs> and we should point out then that if people are listening to this and they, and they want to get involved, there is that opportunity, isn't there, Absolutely. for more people to come on board. Absolutely. So our aim is to, to do a first residential in Birmingham in um, the beginning of October. Um, and then it's probably 30 months beyond that that the NRC level two will be achieved. Um, and then a further six months. We, we, we liken the NRC level two to a driving license and therefore any experience having achieved your driving license or mm -hmm. having achieved the NRC level two will be the added kudos and experience that would allow um, a live event rigger to pass the apprenticeship. Um, presumably, uh, uh, let, let's think very carefully how I, how I phrase this. Because it's an apprenticeship, unlike somebody who just wants to get a certificate in something and merely has to pay the fee, demonstrate the competencies in order to meet all the criteria and get their NRC or their NELC, an apprenticeship they have to apply in a similar way to applying for a job. You'll, be, you'll interview them and you'll, you'll see whether or not they're appropriate to come onto the apprentice uh, scheme, which... It won't be as, as, as broad an uptake, will it, as, as people who are simply applying to do a certificate or a, a qualification, will it? There's a lot of interest. Um, and as I said, it, it, it's all age ranges. Um, but it's the first foray of um, getting into the industry and becoming a rigger with a formal programme. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what um, has allowed a lot of interest from from many individuals um, that that actually there is a formal program that allows a person to, to come with little or no experience of the events industry and actually end up earning a, a nice salary as, as a, a rigger um, but they have to be backed by an employer and and that's the the whole thing so it is the same as going for a job interview absolutely so, but 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 there is now that that long-term incentive for them to do it. And presumably by by doing it through an employer, uh, I think it was Richard Branson that once said, give people the skills to move on in life, but treat them so that they don't want to. Mm. Um, uh, is there this hope among employers collectively within the industry, having spoken to them, that there will be that sort of loyalty element that develops from people who have come through the apprenticeship program and who then subsequently want to stick with those employers? I think the... Um ideology would yeah, yeah we grow our own people and keep hold of them however i think there's also the perspective that actually if we're growing people that have been through a program that has got an, a lot of kudos to it mm -hmm. um it just adds to the industry's standards that you know you know somebody that's got the apprenticeship is going to be of a good quality because because the flip side of that and, and eric but perhaps you bring you in on here a lot of riggers will work freelance. You've mm. entered yourself a, a yes. freelance, so you won't necessarily work for specific companies. That maybe changes the loyalty question a little bit, but similarly, it's still going to be raising those standards um, yes, across the board, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And and for, for individuals who, who wish to remain freelancers, then that's what the National Rigging Certificate exists at Level 2 and Level 3. That's what it exists for. But this is a, a larger scheme, um, and it, it's worth mentioning because the, there'll be a lot of other folk in different uh, live event disciplines mm -hmm. listening to this this podcast. Sure. Um, that there is parallel to this 
um, a scheme under Trailblazer for live event technician, and uh, within that you can you can specialise. I'm I'm not expert on the subject. Of course, I've okay. been bus busy enough advising this <laughs> one. Yeah, but I know that that's been going along in parallel, and and there are opportunities for specialisation, obviously in the different disciplines, whether it's uh, LX audio, scenic video, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, so the in terms of the, the scheme overall, take up should be quite large, especially as as you know the 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 industry has been grouping more and more into large industry players. Uh, absolutely. Is there any obligation um, on the apprentices themselves to stay with the people that they've done their apprenticeship with once they pass it or once they qualify? Um, it, you know. It depends on the contract of employment that they have with that employer, I would imagine, at the end mm. of the Presumably day. Presumably an employer, I'm guessing, wouldn't want to see somebody go through three years of an apprenticeship to, to, to make them a you know a great employee and then say, oh, great, now that I've got my qualification, I'm off to be a freelancer. There is a certain amount of expectation that people will fly the nest, but okay. if they're adding to the bunch of freelancers and they've worked with you and then you need an extra freelancer, who are you going to go to? The person that you've trained up from scratch. Mm -hmm. So we have to have that, you, we can't hold on to every to single employee. be realistic about what's going to happen yeah. and the way the industry works, yeah. you know. Um, but ultimately, as you said, it's still going to improve the standards as a whole. So when, the when they come back to you as a freelancer, you know that there's somebody you want to work with. But similarly, you know, it's down to each individual employee. Uh, they might not want to keep an, um, an apprentice um, employed. They might want to bring in fresh blood each time. Um, so as much as, as it would be lovely and, and glowing to keep an employee for 20 years, 30 mm -hmm. years, 40 years, it's, it's not always realistic to expect that. As an employer, is there anything that employers have to do to adjust their own working practices or are there, are there anything that you would have to do at blackout in order to to meet criteria to become uh, an employer that can deliver that apprentice scheme um is there assessment that you have to undergo yourselves there is um an expectation that the employer will mentor the apprentice okay and i don't know if somebody wants to talk about mentoring have you had any experience of that, Eric? Uh, no, well, not yet, not yet, <laughs> but, but it's, it's perfectly possible. Um, I think, again, it, it's more within a company structure that um, an apprentice could find a mentor, but it would not necessarily have to be. It could be an acquaintance mm -hmm. who's freelance and uh, experienced and understands what's required of the scheme. I don't. I don't believe that it, the mentor is required to be from the same company. Though I would imagine it would make more sense. It, it's not just in terms of manage, management of the scheme. But I don't. I don't think it's restricted okay. in that the, way. The, the thing that we prefer with the mentor is that the mentor is not the manager. Okay. Mm. And yeah. I think that's the the stipulation that um, we've suggested um, in terms of best practice. So, I mean, basically, the way that it would work is the apprentice would come on board. They'd s attend uh, a week's residential or at least partake in, in the college induction as well as an employer induction and, within that, um, undertake the um, health and safety qualification that's required 
to become a trainee rigger. They then sign up with Plaza for the trainee rigger scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's on the job training and that uh, and practical training, as well as some um, courses that um, are necessary to become a rigger. But that's at the employer's discretion. discretion and they can choose which providers they would prefer to use well, well I'll, throw, I'll throw what may seem like a daft question at you then because I'm, oh. I'm actually looking at gov.uk at their official page for apprentice live event rigor um, and it gives you all the details that the, the uh, approximate duration of the apprenticeship um, the working week which I think they may be in for a shock for because it's listed as 37 and a half hours <laughs> um, but duties include driving company vehicles what if you get an apprentice who comes on who hasn't got a driving license? Okay, is this what we're talking about here? We said maybe at the discretion of the employer, they may choose to partly fund. Is that a necessary criteria of the of the scheme? Um, the 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 driving side of things was a preferred thing for many employers, mm-hmm. but some employers, if you if you're a rigorous at the arenas example there's not really the necessity to have a driving license and sure. therefore it is down to the individual employer um, who has their job specification mm-hmm. that, that these are the things that are musts and these are the things that we would like to have is this one of the, the benefits of, of, of an apprentice scheme as a whole is that, that there is this this format which has been agreed collectively amongst a lot of different entities but by being employer driven it does still offer that level of flexibility where an employer can choose to maybe add bits on and offer other incentives or bits of training if they feel necessary yeah, I, b- I believe so i think that the, the the format of the the official or the, the the program of the apprenticeship exists and as you say if an employer wants to add on specific pieces then that's down to them the fact that there is funding available makes gives them that option um, but each in employer is going to want different things from their apprentices the uh, the page that I'm looking at for people uh, listening to the podcast is is uh, headlined as the Skills Funding Agency, but it's gov.uk, and you can search um, for Apprentice Live Event Rigor. Um, if people want to sort of maybe put into a bit of context what we've been speaking about today, that there is uh, a lot of information on there. Perhaps Adelaide, you could give us a bit more direction on that. If people are listening to this and want to find out more about uh, the, the Apprentice Scheme, um, where would they find it? How can they get their hands on some information? Um, the, there's various employers who are uh, have committed to recruiting, and therefore there's um, various job adverts mm-hmm. that are on that apprenticeship government website. Um, so that's one way. Um, contacting any one of the interested parties, so whether it's Blackout or the <coughs> NEC group, mm-hmm. Um, or UK rigging directly is, is another way. Um, for example, d- emailing jobs at blackout.co.uk, um, I've been sending out syllabus to interested yeah. parties, so it just gives further information and uh, greater detail of, of what the course entails. The fact that we've been talking about being able to send out a syllabus for this as a subject matter and as this as a skill set is is a positive all round. I think we would all agree that there is now this this qualification for people to actually look at and, and look at seriously. Whereas, you know, I may be wide of the mark, but 25, 30 years ago, if you'd have said there's going to be an apprenticeship in live event rigging, people would have looked at you and thought, go and get a real job. <laughs> 
Eric's nodding his head in nodding his head in testament to that. Um, guys, um, I, I think we'll probably tweet some links out from the Talking Events uh, Twitter handle and also the Event Industry News Twitter handle um, for people to find out a, a bit more about this because I think it will have a positive impact as a whole, without a doubt, on the wider industry. And it's important that there's plenty of information shared there. There's been a huge effort collectively amongst a number of different companies, organisations, and venues to actually lay down any differences and actually sit around a table in order to develop this. So I think it's important that collectively as an industry we get behind this and, and everyone shares as much information as possible. Um, we should very much thank um, our guests uh, on today's episode for talking about this particular subject. Um, Eric Porter, thank you very much for joining Talking Events once again. Um, Adelaide Johansson, HR Manager for Blackout, thank you very much for joining thank us you. and indeed for the company's hospitality and hosting the studio uh, for these episodes. Paul Ridderford, uh, NRC manager from Plaza. Paul, thanks very much for joining us Thank again. Um, follow the podcast on uh, iTunes. You can subscribe to it uh, via that medium. You can also watch videos of the podcast via eventindustrynews.co.uk. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. This is Talking Events. My name is James Dixon. <laughs>